This episode is brought to you by the Nordstick, the number one way to train your hamstrings anywhere at any time. The number one injury burden in the game of soccer is, you guessed it, hamstring injury. What better way to prevent this than using the Nordstick? From endless Nordic curl variations for your hamstrings, to other lower body exercises, to even upper body and core exercises, you name your goal and the Nordstick can help you get there. Use the link in the description to learn more and get 10% off. Once again, use the link in this episode's description for 10% off. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to this very special episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience, of course, brought to you by our sponsor, Nordstick. So thank you, Nordstick, for helping this show go. Um, Today, we have a very, very special episode. We're going to jump right in. We have one of our biggest guests ever, Mauricio Negri, who is currently uh, a sports scientist for Orlando City, but previously was a sports scientist and a physical coach for the 2002 Brazilian national team which ended up winning the World Cup in 2002. So, Mauricio, welcome to the show. And let's also welcome our special guest, Leo, who will be translating for us today. So, Mauricio, Leo, thank you very much for coming on today. Obrigado pelo convite. É um prazer estar aqui, Andy. Thank you for the invite. Um, it's, it's, an, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and thank you, Leo, for joining as well. We really appreciate you helping us out today. <laughs> yeah, no worries. All right, cool. Let, let's jump into it. Mauricio, tell us about yourself. Give us a, a short introduction and tell us how you ended up working for the national team in 2002. I was invited to work in the Seleção Brasileira by physical Paulo Pachão, who I had worked in Fluminense. E, na realidade, ele me convidou para trabalhar é, em 98 e em 2002. Foram os dois momentos em que eu trabalhei na seleção brasileira. Yeah, so he was, he was invited by um, another person that worked in the national team. His name is Paulo Pachão, um, which he worked with in Fluminense. And he actually was invited to work for uh, them in 98 and 2002. Um, so that, that, those are the two times he did um, some work for the national team. And what was your path to get to that point? What... How did your career get started? É, tem, tem bastante tempo. Eu comecei a, meu, a trabalhar no Fluminense em 1992. É, fiquei durante dois anos. É, depois eu fui para o Vasco da Gama. Fiquei por dez anos no Vasco da Gama. E retornei ao Fluminense. E fiquei mais 15 anos no Fluminense. Quando eu me mudei aqui... Aliás, voltei para o Vasco da Gama... Em 2018, em 2019, vim para os Estados Unidos. So, um, so he said that he, uh, he said a long, long time ago when he started his <laughs> career, um, he said he started with Fluminense and then um, he switched to Vasco da Gama, which he worked for about uh, 10 years. And then he went back to Fluminense, which he worked for 15 years. Um, and then he went back to Vasco for a little bit before he went um, back to Orlando City. So it was just kind of like an, another um, step in his career when he joined the national team uh, alongside working in, in the club world. Mm, wow, that that's very special. And it's, it's really cool that you were able to... A, a lot of kids in Brazil, they, they dream of winning a World Cup. And you managed to do that, although you weren't playing. You were, you were doing it in a different role. But it's when, when that moment happened with you, did you feel that 
you help achieve like a childhood dream? Yeah, no Brazil, o, o futebol, né, os jogadores sonham em, em jogar futebol, né? Então isso é, é é muito diferente aqui nos Estados Unidos, né? A cultura aqui não é a cultura do futebol, né? Lá no Brasil eles já nascem sonhando em ser jogador de futebol. Realmente é o futebol aqui nos Estados Unidos é muito, muito diferente do Brasil. Yeah, so he said definitely it was a it was a dream come true. Um, he says as a Brazilian, you're born, you're pretty much born with a soccer ball in your hands. You know, like you're, it's always your dream to become a professional player. Always, you know, you ask a bunch of kids if you ask them what they want to do, it's to be a professional player. And uh, when you come to the United States, it's it's not the same. It's very different. Um, that's not people's first sport here, and you know, it's still getting there, but it's it's not not there yet, like it is for us in Brazil. Mm. Now. How did you prepare these players to play in a World Cup? Um, what kind of training did you do beforehand? How did that process work? É, o processo é, a gente não pode esquecer que tem 20 anos isso, né? Então, muito se mudou, né, é, em relação à tecnologia, em relação a, a, a protocolos, a treinamento nesses últimos 20 anos, né? Nós não tínhamos GPS como temos agora. É, nós usávamos o frequencímetro da Polar, né? Era o, o que nós tínhamos de mais moderno na época. É, com relação aos testes que nós fizemos, nós fizemos testes de lactato sanguíneo, que são testes que você coloca o atleta para correr a velocidades diferentes e coletar o lactato e ver o limiar anaeróbico testes de velocidade e testes isocinéticos no Biodex. Yeah, so I said a lot of the a lot of the practices definitely have changed because this was 20 years ago when you when you when you're thinking about it. So he said that there wasn't there wasn't as much technology available as it as there is today. Today you can track so much with the new technologies, the GPS technologies, which we didn't have back in the day. And um, he said they use uh you know they did blood tests for the athletes to test um for uh, the lactate uh. Even for communication, that is that is very different now compared to 2002. Right now, we have WhatsApp, Instagram. You can constantly talk with your national team players. How did you communicate with your players before they came into camp about their physical health? É, realmente, a, a, hoje, né, com, com a, as redes sociais, essa comunicação é, é muito, muito melhor. Né? Muito diferente né, de, de como era antigamente. Eu acho que nem celular na época tinha 2002. <risos> então, hoje com os smartphones, né? É, isso eu acho que é um dificulta muito, né, para no treinamento essa essa é, acessibilidade que eles têm a essa informação, né? Isso dispersa muito o jogador, né, a, na concentração. E, e também é, perguntou também da comunicação entre vocês e os jogadores. Você, é, como é que vocês entravam em contato com os jogadores antes de chegar na seleção para ver como é que estava na condição física, essas coisas? 
É, nós pedimos é, informações aos clubes, principalmente os clubes da Europa, mas não, poucos enviavam. Né? Você, você tinha um mês para preparar para a Copa, e, na realidade, você só tinha as informações de quando você tinha as convocações né? e, e esse um mês antes. Você não tinha informação quase nenhuma dos jogadores da Europa. Então, ele disse que era muito desafiante. Então, o primeiro ponto, ele disse que ele estava falando sobre a mídia social, como agora a mídia social tem tanto que acontece, que quando os jogadores estão em concentração para estar preparados para a World Cup, pode ser um pouco desafiante, porque há tanta informação acontecendo, eles podem ouvir o que a imprensa está dizendo, eles têm mais acesso a essa informação. Então, quando eles estão tentando focar para a World Cup, pode ser mais difícil nos dias, porque you know, before you didn't really have access to a lot of that stuff. Um, he said he doesn't even remember if there was cell phones back in the day, to be honest, like the smartphones, like I said jokingly. Um, but he said the information um, when you, when they had to communicate with the players before they went for the national team duty is um, they really didn't, which was the big challenge. Um, they got what they could from the clubs. So the clubs would send them information on the players, you know, physical, uh, how they're doing physically. Um, any injury reports, anything like that. And they really didn't know anything until the players were called up to the national team. So they would just kind of go into almost blind and they had almost access to no information. So when a player does show up to the national team, what kind of physical tests do you do in 2002 to see if they're ready to perform? Uh, os testes que nós fizemos foram é, testes de velocidade, é, teste de, do lactato sanguíneo né? e avaliações isocinéticas. E composição corporal também. Foram, foram esses testes. Eu me lembro que são só esses. Yeah, so he said uh, pretty standard stuff, you know. So he said uh, they did speed tests uh, with the players. They did the blood test, like we mentioned earlier, test lactate. And then um, they, also, they also did um, like a body composition testing just to see where they were at as far as like, you know, Ronaldo realmente ele vinha de uma de uma lesão muito grave no joelho né que quase acabou com a carreira dele. E ele foi acompanhado por um fisioterapeuta durante bastante tempo, o Filé. Né? E ele chegou na Copa do Mundo assim, muito bem preparado fisicamente. Nas avaliações que nós fizemos, principalmente nas avaliações isocinéticas, ele, assim, a perna lesionada dele estava muito, muito mais forte do que a outra perna, né? que é, é, foi até uma surpresa, mas estava muito, muito bem fisicamente, muito bem preparado fisicamente. Então, assim, facilitou muito, porque você não tem muito tempo né? para treinar, para recuperar um jogador. Né? Você tem um mês aí para começar a Copa do Mundo, não é suficiente, né? e o treinador querendo treinar também. Né? Yeah, so he said it was definitely uh, an interesting case because um, the knee injury he actually suffered right before that, that World Cup was um, potentially a career-ending injury, especially back in the day. You know, we didn't have the, the practice we have now. Um, but he said he was, he was shocked when he arrived because he, he got there and he said he was in extremely good shape and great condition. 
Um, they did all the tests, and he said that his leg that his he had the knee injury on was actually stronger than the other one because um, he was doing work with a physical therapist um, this whole time. And um, he said he did a really good job in preparing him, and that was good because we they, they only have a, about a month to prepare for the World Cup, so um, he can't really rehab any players really from serious injuries like that before the World Cup. So he was happy to see that when he showed up, he was in really good condition and didn't, they didn't have to do much. Mm, wow. And with all your other players that were, you know, a lot of really big stars, um, what was their their attitude and approach to physical training back then? Você pode traduzir para mim? Eu não entendi bem. Ah, tranquilo. É, ele falou, ele perguntou, tipo, com todas aquelas estrelas na seleção, né, como a gente sabe hoje em dia, é, como é que foi, é, qual a atitude deles sobre, tipo, treinamento físico, assim, é, que eu sei que hoje em dia os jogadores são mais... É, são mais assim, cuidadosos com, com, esse, com essa parte do jogo, né? Que, que quer ter mais longevidade na carreira. E como é que foi trabalhar com as estrelas, né? tipo, em 2002, naquela época lá? Tipo... Não, assim, é... realmente, hoje os jogadores são muito mais profissionais do que há 20 anos atrás. Mas quando você... Mas na seleção é diferente, né? Assim, preparação uhum. para uma Copa do Mundo, eles estão muito mais motivados e muito mais abertos a a fazer tudo tudo que for possível para estar bem fisicamente. Uhum. Realmente existe uma diferença muito grande do profissional de 20 anos atrás para o profissional agora. Mas na seleção não, não teve esse tipo de problema, todos estavam muito comprometidos, né? porque é o, é o sonho também de todo jogador, né? conquistar uma Copa do Mundo. Yeah, so he said, um, definitely today, players are way more professional nowadays, of course, uh, as far as the, the physical preparation goes and stuff like that. But he said with the with the Brazilian players uh, back in the day working with those stars, it it, it was um, very easy to work with because they were very motivated to win a World Cup because when they used to leave their club and come play for the national team, it was a different type of passion that they had. Um, mm. Says that they were all extra motivated. They always wanted to win and they wanted to win for their country. It's all their dreams to win a World Cup one day. And and so when they when they got to the to the national team at that point, they, they were already motivated. They didn't really have to, you know, push them much. They were all just ready to work. Mm. And last question, I think it's it's very um, a good one, considering a lot of the injuries that we're having right now. Um, how do you have a conversation with a player to convince them that physical preparation is still important when maybe they're afraid to get injured before a really big tournament? Yeah, é, ele falou, tipo, como é que você é, conversa com o um jogador é, pra, é, que, tipo, tá com medo de, de machucar antes da Copa, sabe? Aí, aí, é, sobre o preparo físico dele e, assim, como você prepara um jogador, assim, pra ele não... Tipo, jogador que tem, tem medo de não lesionar, tipo, só, é, é, vai sim. fazer preparo físico. Eu acho que o, o problema maior não é no treinamento físico dele se machucar, né? Mas sim nos jogos ou no, no treinamento com bola. Claro que eles ficam com receio de, de se machucar, né? Mas lá no momento em que estão na seleção, não, eles não têm esse, esse tipo de receio, não. Eles treinam sem problema nenhum. Uhum. O, o, o difícil é chegar lá, né? Quando chegou lá, tá bom já. Então, ele disse... There's, there's no there's no really pushback. Um, he said there's, there's a little risk of training of injury during training, as far as like when they're doing physical preparation. Uh, the the most of the injuries do happen in game, 
Um, of course, you know, like when they have the ball on their feet and when they're playing, they're, they're doing all the contact drills and things like that. So um, he says it's not hard to get them to, to, to train and be motivated, especially um, by the time they get to the national team. They stop worrying a little bit more about injuries because they, they're the hard part is getting there. But when they get there, you know, they, they're, they're pretty loose and, and pretty confident and they don't really worry about the injuries too much. Mm. Wow. OK, let's take a short break to hear from our other sponsors, but we'll be back with part two about more information. So be sure to stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. If you're a physical therapist, fitness coach or personal trainer, you need to know that Team Builder is the number one app for exercise prescription. Whether you're working with a few clients one-on-one as a side hustle or you're working with hundreds of athletes in an academy setting, there's no better app to prescribe exercises for remote or in-person training than Team Builder. As someone who's used Team Builder for over two years, I can wholeheartedly say it saves me time and helps my clients perform at their best. As a bonus, Team Builder is offering a 12-week soccer strength and conditioning program that comes with your 14-day free trial. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing risk of injury. Head over to teambuilder.com and sign up with the code SFE to get started. Vitruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about Vitruve today. All right, we are back on the soccer fitness experience with Mauricio Negri, our special guest, who was a sports scientist in 2002 with Brazil. Uh, Mauricio, you also have a PhD. Um, Why did you decide to get that, and how has it helped you? In reality, the doctorate não foi por causa do futebol que eu decidi fazer. Eu trabalhei durante 12 anos num laboratório de pesquisa num hospital no Brasil, no Instituto Nacional de Traumatologia e Ortopedia, e foi uma necessidade por conta da, da pesquisa e não por conta do futebol. Né? Hoje você já vê bastante pessoas né, com doutorado, mas, na realidade, o futebol no Brasil... Hoje é mais comum, né? Mas não, não necessariamente você teria que ter um doutorado. Um, so he said uh, his main motivation for getting the the, the PhD wasn't actually uh, football. Uh, he was doing he was doing research in a hospital in Brazil for about 12 years, and um, and and so when when he was doing this research, it was almost like a requirement to get this PhD. So he was he was already kind of went hand in hand of what he was doing already. Um, so it, he said it had very little to do with football. It was more about the research that he was doing in the hospital, um, you know, like doing the medical research and things like that. Hmm. How has it helped you be a better sports scientist and fitness coach? Uh, a diferença é o sports science, ele cuida hoje muito mais da parte de, de avaliações, de controle de carga, é da parte de recuperação do, do jogador. E o preparador físico está mais ligado a, a, ao treinamento de campo, a, a treinamento de força, 
Essa é a diferença básica. Uhum. E, e o doutorado ajudou é, nessa... Te ajudou no, nesse campo que você está trabalhando agora? Ou, ou foi uma coisa que só é, não, o, aconteceu? Na verdade, o meu doutorado ele foi na área de, de controle motor, né? foi na área uhum. de educação física, mas foi na área de é, ativação cerebral. Então, não, não, não tem nada a ver com, uhum. com, com o futebol. Mesmo porque o, o, no doutorado como no mestrado, você estuda um tema, um assunto. Uhum. Né? E, assim, o Sport Science está ligado a, a várias áreas né? da, da, da preparação do jogador. Claro que, que a, sempre ajuda né? você ter o doutorado, principalmente aqui nos Estados Unidos, eles dão muito valor, então uhum. é importante, mas não vejo como o fundamental para isso, não. Yeah, so he, he talked about sports science in general. He says that uh, a lot of sports science now is, is less about um, physically preparing the players uh, as far as his role goes. It's it's more about um, managing the recovery and the load management of the players to mm. make sure that their 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 you know their their programming is, is all correct. And I and then he went back to the doctorates and he says that it his doctor is is a completely different area so it's it's more mm. of uh, the activation of the brain he worked in that like motor motor coordination with the activation of the brain so he was working more in that area with his doctorate so it has mm. almost nothing to do with uh, what what he was really doing mm. but um but he said it does help you get credibility here in the united states because here in the united states people care more about the credentials and um you know the, the titles and everything like that so he says it does help a little bit you know when it comes to credibility but he says it really didn't um, change much for his career in the, in the, in the field of, uh, of football. Hmm. Okay. Um, now a lot has changed in the 20 years since 2002. Um, what is the same since then? What kind of principles and guidelines are still the same today compared to 2002? <laughs> Poucas coisas são parecidas. <laughs> Acho que só o jogador mesmo. <laughs> É, é muito, muito diferente. Hoje você tem muito mais ferramentas para o controle do treinamento, para o controle da recuperação, avaliações bioquímicas, GPS, controle do sono. Então, assim, vou dizer para você que só tem dif... igual é o esporte, que é o mesmo esporte. O resto é muito, muito diferente. He says every, he says pretty much everything is different. The only thing that's the same is the athlete, you know, the the, the <laughs> and the sport and the ball still around. He says, <laughs> but um, he says uh, now we have access to so much more data and information as far as like you do bio, you can do but like biochemical like reviews. You can um, track sleep schedule. You have GPS tracking on the players. You can see how much how much a player ran in a training session in a game. He says you have so much more access to data. So it's it, of course it's. Um, it gets overwhelming a little bit, but at the same time, like you, the, the more information, the better. And then you just have to know what to do with that information. Mm, wow. Wow. Ainda, ainda, ainda digo assim que você tem alguns estudos que comparam, é, tem um estudo muito interessante da Premier League que compara a diferença entre seis anos, se não me engano, é 2006 a 2012, não, não me lembro a data, certo? Mas ele, ele compara seis anos de diferença, a diferença física nos jogos. E você vê que a distância percorrida ela mantém a mesma, não altera, 
se ele corria 10 quilômetros em 2010, em 2016, ele continuou correndo os 10 quilômetros, mas quando você analisa a intensidade desse jogo, número de sprints, número de acelerações e desacelerações, número de é, é, high speed runner, você vê que aumenta, chega a aumentar 70%. Então, assim, é o mesmo, uhum. o mesmo esporte, né? é o futebol, mas é totalmente diferente, né? And he said the, there's actually an interesting study uh, done by the Premier League, he says, and he, he couldn't remember the exact dates between 2006 or 2012 or it was 2010, 2016. But um, he says that they analyzed the, because now you have access to that data, they're able to analyze um, how far the player ran. He says it didn't change, like the average distance covered by a player, right? So um, the thing that did change and that was interesting is that having access to the data is over time, he says, the, the amount of sprint, intense sprints or like, you know, The, the intensity that the players that were playing at increased drastically. I think he says it was about maybe a 70% increase mm. in the intensity that the players play in between those years. And um, he says now with that data, like you have access to that stuff and you see how important the physical preparation is because the game evolved so much and um, it's much more intense now than it was, you know, years ago. Mm. Wow. Um, where do you see the future going? How is it going to change in the future, both for the players on the field and for your profession, your job? É, o, a, a ciência do esporte, ela, é, ela tem a sorte de poder usar a, a ciência médica, né, que as pesquisas médicas para ajudar na performance. Eu vejo é, o futuro de cada vez você ter mais ferramentas para controlar o jogador, controlar a intensidade do treinamento, controlar as respostas individuais né, do treinamento, tanto na parte bioquímica quanto na parte de recuperação. Eu vejo assim, um futuro muito, muito, muito promissor. A gente sabe que o ser humano é o mesmo, né? mas as ferramentas que, que nós temos hoje e que nós temos para o futuro assim, são, são fantásticas, né? So he said uh, the, the future is definitely bright. Um, he says now with, uh, of course, with medical research going hand in hand with sports science, um, says it helps to have that access to that information, new medical studies that come out, you know, to develop new training regimes, programs. And uh, but he said mostly the future, he says, is using the technology. <clears throat> the more technology you get, he says, the more you're able to track individual players and, and know what they need, what they don't need, uh, help uh, manage the load. So he says um, technology is definitely going to be the biggest contributor to the future uh, of uh, sports science, um, especially in, in, you know, evaluating each player individually rather than as a, as a collective. Um, then you can have specific programs for each player and monitor them better. Mm. Um, I do have one more question, but before I ask, Leo, do you have any questions that you want to throw out there? Um question I want to throw out there. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I do, actually. So uh, uh, I'm going to ask him about the club, uh, at the club level versus the national team level. What are the main mm -hmm. differences he sees? I know, obviously, the, the time frame is shorter when you're working with the national team versus a club. But what are the main differences that in his career that he knows working with the national team versus a club in, the, in that department? Uh, 
É, e a pergunta é mais assim, tipo, da, da diferença entre o, o trabalhando na seleção e trabalhando no, no nível de clube, assim, quais são as maiores diferenças? É, tipo, é, eu sei que o tempo é uma coisa grande, né, que você tem menos tempo para trabalhar com os atletas, mas é, o que, que você reparou, tipo, da diferença, assim, do, de práticas? Quando, quando eu trabalhei na seleção, nas duas Copas, né, assim, a, a, o Sport Science não, não era integrado à comissão técnica. Uhum. Né? não fazia parte da comissão técnica como faz parte de uns anos para cá né? então é, hoje com essas informações que você tem da, né, você tem condições de ter online os dados do sono do jogador, os dados do GPS então você tem muito mais informações, facilita muito mas o, o, o problema mesmo na, que eu vejo é o tempo de você de preparação, né? Você não, você não tem muito tempo. Você pega jogadores que não treinam juntos, que não jogam juntos e junta todo mundo, né, para disputar uma competição. Eu, eu vejo que o, o maior problema é realmente é o tempo de preparação. He says, um, the, he says in his career when he used to work for the national team in 98 and 2002, the main challenges that, that he sort of had is um, they weren't really the sports science department or sports science in general wasn't considered a part of the technical staff. So they were just kind of adjacent to it, working with them. But you know, it's, it's um, nowadays it's way more integrated with the coaching staff and everything. So they're taking it more seriously now for sure. And then he says, um, the time frame to work with the players when you get to the national team level is definitely different than at, at, at the club level, because you don't have much time to, you know, Uh, prepare together as far, as far as it goes. Um, he says with the players, um, the, the main issue is like working in, in as far as like building that chemistry because a lot of them, uh, especially in Brazil, you look at the, the national team, a lot of the players play in different clubs, you know, versus um, you look at, you know, the Spanish national team, it's a lot of players come from the same clubs, but in Brazil, everyone comes from different places and then to get them together in a group and to, you know, get them to work together and prepare for the tournament is, is the biggest challenge. From his experience mm -hmm. in the uh, last two World Cups, uh, the two World Cups that he worked in in '98 and 2002. And uh, last question: Who will win the 2022 World Cup? <laughs> Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the listeners, Leo just pointed to two of his. Uh, it looks like signed Brazil jerseys. Who do you got on your wall, man? It's uh, Neymar and the uh, Mauro Silva. The two. Got, got ah, okay. Presents. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, well, Leo, thank you so much for your help today. Mauricio, thank you so much. You were okay. definitely a very good guest, and we really appreciate your time. Um, best of luck as you're starting to prepare for uh, 2023 with Orlando City, and I, I wish you guys all of the best, and tell everybody I said hi. Thank you. Thank you.